Big Sloth. Let her go, Molaram. You are in a position unsuitable to give orders. Watch your back! You want the stones? Let them go! Let her go! <laughs> Drop them, Dr. Jones! They will be found! You won't! <laughs> Get now! Shorty! Chow Chi! Latsu Tsangza! Hello, lady, we go for white! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Is he nuts? You know nuts? He's crazy! Molaram! Prepare to meet Kali! In hell! Everybody, I'm Joel Murphy, and I'm Andy McIntyre. This is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where we watch maligned movies and we find their silver linings. And we've had it. We've That's had it. it with watching. We did 150 of these. We did 150 of these, talking about movies ranging in caliber from Wrinkle in Time to Garfield: A Tale of Two Kitties to Caddyshack Two, and. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. It, it really was. And we decided for our 150th episode, we are going to talk about what might be one of our best-reviewed movies that we've done on the podcast. Still maligned. Still maligned, yeah. but relative to most of the series, it is... Uh, I mean, I, we're, I think we're going to make the argument unfairly maligned throughout this episode. Uh, but we watched... Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Damn right we did. And uh, I am one of the biggest Temple of Doom defenders because, I mean, I think, I think it's conventional knowledge that Raiders is the best one. Yeah, I think that's all agreed. Uh, you, every now and then you'll come across someone arguing Last Crusade, and to that I say no. It, I mean, they're wrong, but they will argue it. I say no, you're, you're not correct. Um, it, it sometimes it shifts on occasion, but every now and then I'll make the argument that I actually think that Temple of Doom is my second favorite. Yeah, it's it's hard. I mean, I would say for me, and this is going to be a cop out, so I'm just warning everyone. It's a three way tie for number one. Oh, what? I'm kidding. <laughs> They're all great. It's all participation trophies. I mean, I do love, I mean, Indiana Jones, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark is in my all-time top five favorite movies, uh, I think period. It, 
Well, it's a funny thing because, well, I mean, I say this, but I can do this a lot easier with Star Wars. But like, this is one of those things where I just grew up with these movies and I saw Mm -hmm. these movies so many times as a kid that it's hard for me to have any objectivity or to even differentiate them. Because when I was a kid, they were just the Indiana Jones movies. Yeah, I mean, I think that's somewhat true. I don't like, yeah, these these in Star Wars, my brothers and I just watch them nonstop. Like they were they were all because they're on TV a ton and we had them on, you know, VHS and would watch them. And yeah, like I I have such a soft spot for especially Indiana Jones. But I mean, I'm also we started this podcast doing Star Wars movies. So, yeah. uh, So there's, you know, that 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 whole universe is something that's very near and dear to our own hearts but yeah i love the indiana jones the series uh i remember uh at one point like in the late 90s they said they were going to make a fourth one and then never did yeah i don't know what happened with that but then there's there's the fifth one coming out in a few in a month or so no i don't know anything about that either yeah i don't know but i, I i've heard rumblings i thought so I, it, I see here's the thing i'm gonna cards on the table i heard the last crusade and then I was like, well, then they must be done. And then I've never looked into it further. Yeah. I mean, you don't use the word last unless that's actually the last. Yeah. I just assumed I was like, they wouldn't do more of these now. What a perfect they ended it, note to they, end the series. They wrote literally wrote off into the sunset. Yeah. I, you can't top that. So like, clearly I was just like, you know what? These are men of integrity. And they, they walked away. Yeah. When is Spielberg going to do the cash grab? Like, that just doesn't seem. No. He tells when personal is... stories. Yeah. When is George Lucas going to do something just for the cash? No, he wouldn't. Look, he loves making toys. That's his favorite thing to do. Yes. And Indiana Jones, surprisingly, they're the toy line, not as well loved. Yeah, I wonder what that is. Because, man, it, it feels like there should have been an amazing mine shaft uh play set play set you know but i yeah i don't remember having any indiana jones toys as a kid i don't think i did either i they had they had to have done the kenner style 3.5 inch star wars type indiana jones figures but i yeah i i think well, we, all, we all lost oh, out ahead. as kids not having our han solo meet our our indiana jones and kids absolutely a hundred percent yeah. Uh, although there was like one of those really overpriced board games. It was called like Thunder Alley or something. That was basically Indiana Jones, the board game. And I remember like it, I remember just seeing it advertised on Saturday, Saturday morning cartoons, never owned it. But I have a feeling it was like Mousetrap that looked way more fun than it actually was. Yeah. Yeah, probably. I, I do wonder, by the way, how influential do you think these movies were? Because obviously they're tapping into stuff that they were fans of the kind of serial stuff. So it's not like they like Indiana Jones came out of nowhere, but right. I do wonder all of the sort of Laura Croft, a lot of the video game stuff of, you know, anything where you're Skyrim, where you're like going underground into a tomb and you're looking for a thing and you're fighting, you know, skeletons or whatever does feel like it's somehow influenced by, all of the Indiana Jones, for sure, all the traps and all that stuff, but also kind of heavily this movie. Yeah, I feel like this probably more than a lot of stuff, because there's a ton of just jungle crawling, you know, adventure games. 
uh, Laura Croft is more based, I think, on this version of Indiana Jones than uh, Temple of Doom slash Raiders Indiana Jones. Uh, or not, or uh, Last Crusade slash Raiders Indiana Jones. Because I feel like those movies, like, those movies feel like two movies in a series, and this is just another adventure with Indiana Jones. Which I do love, by the way, as Yeah, well. oh, no, I do too. I think it's important. I That's one thing that I do respect about george lucas and while you know again we literally launched this uh podcast three years ago by discussing the prequels that was the first thing we watched and i think what i will always respect about them and what i'll always respect about this movie while my enjoyment of all of these movies vary from movie to movie is lucas didn't want to just do the same thing again and again he actually did want to take swings and go to different places and explore different parts of the world. And I think overwhelmingly society told him no and forced him well, back yeah, into doing he, the familiar. He, well, he went right back into the desert and the religious iconography and all of that. Yeah, it definitely feels like Last Crusade. And fighting Nazis, you is, know. It's swinging back to like, okay, this is what it, you guys It's playing watch. the hits. Yeah, it's, for uh, sure. It's like uh, the band that uh, self-titles their third album, because this is really what we sound like. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's... it's um, I, God, I love Indiana Jones. It's... It is good. Harrison, like, it's the coolest thing Harrison Ford's done. It is. And I mean, that's saying something, because everything that Harrison Ford has ever done is cool. Right. He's one of the coolest human beings ever. Uh but like it's just indie it's he's effortless and that's like the best and but he's not flawless and that's the best part of it he's not un- indestructible and well and i think that that what's fascinating is that for sure it the one and two that is up for debate for harrison ford is either han solo or indiana jones like those are his two iconic characters that are the first two that come to mind when you think and then that. henry from regarding henry obviously because it's in the title and so right you, you obviously and you, and you need to regard him yeah, yeah yeah that was like the whole thing he loved ritz crackers he got shot we all know yeah yeah, yeah. uh but uh yeah like the the interesting thing that maybe gives us the edge is that he clearly prefers indiana jones to oh. star wars and it's not even close eight shows a week twice on sunday he is here for indie yeah he seems genuinely excited to do indiana jones movies he again we've talked about it so much on this podcast we don't need to rehash it but like he was forced to do rise of skywalker <laughs> Yeah, and it's it's still the best thing in the entire Star Wars franchise. Oh, undoubtedly. I, I love it so much. Him him just with the utmost of acerbic contempt phoning that performance in mm-hmm. is And that's the thing, he wouldn't put the costume on, but I guarantee you any excuse to put on the fedora and the leather on, jacket yeah, and the, the bullwhip. He's doing it. All of it. Yeah. Um Yeah. So I don't. I mean, if we have to rehash the plot of this movie for you, what are you listening to? Like, what? You, if you've been with us this long and don't know the plot of Temple of Doom, look. Normally, our format is that right now we would recap the plot, but it's our show, so anything goes. Yeah. Well done. Thank you. 
Yeah, I'm well, well, <laughs> well done. I do think, do we want to, to, because to me, I imagine most of this episode is going to be us just talking about all the reasons that we love this movie. Well, it, yeah, but I think, I think it's important to, and we've, we've, I think brushed against it, but to really get into why this movie gets such a bad rap. Yeah. Cause I think to me, there's at least two things that we need to talk about as far as malignants go. The need to be sure. addressed. Sure. Uh, the elephant spraying water on two people kissing in the room that we need to discuss. Well done again. Thank you. Uh, and I think the first one is, I, I mean, I don't know the right way to put this, but there's, let's just say there's a very broad, problematic depiction of India and its culture throughout this. Yeah, it's not like, it is not handled with a deft brush yeah, at all. And in fact, this movie is banned in India. They wanted to film in India and weren't allowed to because of the script. Like, it's yeah. not, you know, like, it's bad. And there's not really any justification for it. And, like, I think it falls just short of being harmful, but it's bad. Yeah. So I think that definitely has to be said. Like, it doesn't have a lot of respect. It, like, it others Indian, cult South Asian culture in a very negative way. Well, and it's playing into a lot of weird broad stereotypes they eat strange food and you know they worship weird gods like it's playing in a lot of that territory that is not yeah. good and i mean the dinner scene is iconic but it's also but not it's great. also problematic yeah and i mean there is a healthy dose of white savior narrative yeah well and i mean there's look we've we've said it up front how much we both love indiana jones but i do think you know, I mean, looking at it now in 2023, and I very much do not want to do this because I want to save my childhood image of this movie. Yeah, the idea of a white guy who goes to other cultures, burial sites to poke around and steal things to put in museums is probably not a hero. <laughs> like, if we were to really reevaluate it. Yeah. But Indy's a goddamn hero. I mean, he looks so handsome. Who was going to tell him? Not He's yet. so rugged and just, <laughs> yeah, no, I, th I think, I mean, it's, and that's not even, I think, why this movie is maligned. But, but I it think is it something... needs to be addressed. It, it needs to, it bears mentioning right. for sure. Well, now, uh, so I have, I said I have two, and the second one is definitely one of the reasons this movie is maligned and probably the biggest one. And that is everything about Willie. Yeah, she is just shrill and she's a terrible character like a she, terrible character they give her no moment of redemption no moment that she isn't just she's essentially one of those npcs in a video game that you the mission that you absolutely hate where you have to it's protect, that side quest because you want 100 percent the game yeah and you have to protect a character but all the character does is screams and runs into the line of fire constantly just gets covered in bugs yeah, it's just every moment she is either being unpleasant or is in an unpleasant situation. I think 80% of her dialogue is just screaming or crying. Ah! Yeah, it's it's bad. It's all it's It's bad. very bad. Yeah. But weirdly, apparently, Steven Spielberg sat behind that camera 
and watched Kate Capshaw just be this terrible shrill character and went, I'm going to marry that woman. Yeah, that's exactly how it went down. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and I mean... That, I think, is a reason that there's some dislike. Contempor- like, contemporary from when the movie came out, there's a reason for the dislike. Right. And even as a kid, I remember not really liking her character. Like, at a time when I liked everybody, where I was like, I don't know, she seems like a lot. And to follow Karen Allen. Who is icon? Like, Karen Allen's great. Like, she... Again, we could have a discussion about some of the problematic things with that character, but that's all been well documented as well. But Karen yeah. Allen herself... Karen Allen as an actress, as a performer in that particular role, she's the best. I love Karen Allen. I also, I, I, I rewatched uh, Raiders, not because I needed to, but because why not before watching right, this. Right, yeah. And it really hit me too, man, like that character would have crushed the, uh, Miriam would have crushed the drinking contest in 30 Rock with the Teamsters. Like she would have gotten her Teamster sub. Yeah. It's very sure. funny to me that that's an arc that it's like we set up in the first act that she can drink any man under the table so that in the third act she uses that to get a guy drunk to get a knife on him. Right. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, it's it's it. No, it's, no, it's um Yeah, but this like <sighs> Yeah, and I think that everybody was expecting more of the same and then they didn't get it. And then they didn't like this movie as much. Which, I mean, the funny thing is, I don't think it's that much different ultimately. I mean, the I will say this. The opening puts you about as far away as you can be. Like, where I would imagine, if I'm trying to put myself in the head of someone at the time, you know, you, you saw Raiders, and Raiders has one of the greatest movie openings ever. I might say the greatest. It's definitely up there. Yeah, I, I don't have a quick to be like, well, actually, you know, I would say this because I can't think of anything off the top of my head that's better. I would say like my two favorite, if you can even call them first acts, because I think that I mean, I think for Raiders is really the opening. It's not the actual first act of the movie, but like that and man, everything on Tatooine and Return of the Jedi is yeah. awesome. But yeah, you think about it of like. You get the Paramount Mountains in the the title card logo fading into actual mountains going into Indiana Jones, going into the cave. He finds, you know, the thing that's been parodied eight million times with measuring the sand and putting it down and grabbing the idol and the boulder. Every beat of that is perfect. It's a great opening. And I respect this movie for doing something different, but I would imagine if you're coming off of that and you're like more Indiana Jones and you open with a lavish Broadway musical number that that probably threw some people off. Well, right. Cause like, and I would even argue that the, the whole opening sequence to this is very underrated. Yes. Because first you have the uh, Cantonese version of anything goes great, which love it. I love it. I do. But at the time, I would have been very confused. Yeah. If I was old enough to process how weird that is a way to start the movie. Well, and again, yeah, if I was old enough to have an expectation. But again, I, I think probably the Raiders ended and then someone popped in a VHS tape of this. Almost certainly. Yeah. So like, I didn't yeah. have time to contemplate what the next movie should be. Right. Nor, nor did I even 
wax intellectual about movies at that age to the level that we've been doing for 150 episodes. It was straight up just like, there's more? I can watch more of this? Yeah. Yes, please. Yeah. Um, But yeah, but like, but that scene afterwards where they're like doing the Lazy Susan back and forth is so good. Oh, it's great. Well, and, and just it's, it's it, it is very like. It's more James Bond than the rest of the Indiana, because that was like because, you know, obviously the story goes that Spielberg directed Indiana Jones because they wouldn't let him direct James Bond. Right. And that scene is very James Bond. Oh, it's the most James Bond in any of these movies, for sure. Um, Yeah. And then it goes and then Dan Aykroyd shows up out of nowhere because that's what he did in the 80s. He was dating Carrie Fisher at the time, so yeah. he had an in. Like, he was guy. in the We Are the World recording, like... I think he just... Yeah, somehow Dan Aykroyd was really good at finding out where stuff was happening, and then people were like, well, I mean, he's here, and he brought this Crystal Skull vodka. Yeah, so... Um, oh, wait, is that why it's in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? Is it because of Dan Aykroyd's vodka? It is because of Dan Aykroyd's vodka. We solved it. Yep, we did it. Uh, but then, and then it goes to the, uh, the airplane scene, which, and look, I know we're, I, well, I don't, do you have anything else to malign? I don't know if we need to malign anything else, but I, I'm going to go ahead and say, while we're sort of in the middle, one of, I, I think it might be the best sight gag in any Indiana Jones movie is him standing in the door of the plane and what's do you remember the guy's name? The the villain? Lau. Lau. But he's like, see you later, Lau. And then he closes the door and the guy's name is on the door. That is so fantastic. So good. Like perfect. Lau Shay is the the full name, yeah. yeah see like, you later, Lau Shay. And then he slams the door and it just says Lau Shay on the side of the plane, and the guy just laughs at him. Yeah. I'm going to be fully honest. I didn't know what clip you were going to play. I thought there was a chance you were going to play the car chase from the beginning. Yeah. The funny thing about this movie is that it's harder than you would think to play a clip because there is so much action and there's not a lot of talking. This movie. Well, I thought there were like three things that you could have done. I could have done the dinner scene. The dinner scene. I thought I thought you could have done the beginning for. Dr. Jones, no time for love. Yeah. You know, um, from the car chase. And then there's the scene you played or just when um, Molaram and Indy are hanging from the bridge and he's like, you've betrayed Shiva. Yeah. Well, definitely. I mean, to me, like. Or. Yeah. Kalima. See, that was my first instinct. But I actually went through that scene and it's like. All these scenes, I think in our minds, are more truncated. And then when you're trying to pull an audio clip for a podcast, you're like, I mean, he says Kalima, and then there's a lot of visual stuff that happens. Yeah. Um, so it was really trying to find... And even no, that clip I think was you picked a, little, a great one. Even yeah. that clip's like a little long for us, for how long we normally go. But it's just, yeah, it was trying to capture a moment. But also the... Man, I, I don't know. We're, are we just where we're saying stuff we love about this movie? Are we at that point? I, I, I mean... Yeah. Okay. Because what a fantastic set piece that you have this rickety wooden bridge. Indiana Jones is exactly in the middle of it. There are enemies on either side and they start inching closer towards him. 
So what is our hero going to do? It this is I mean this is just fantastic screenwriting of all hope is lost. There's no way he can get out of this. He's trapped. There's nowhere for him to go. Below him is just water filled with either alligators or crocodiles. I don't know which one. I did, they didn't tell me to see me later or I was gonna say I thought I feel like I saw them in a while, so I think they are crocodiles. Okay, so there you go. So they're crocodiles. Uh but it's just like it's such a fantastic perfect situation to put him in how's he going to get out of it and it's so indiana jones that the solution is i cut the bridge down yeah <laughs> i just take my chances it's very like that speech that alfred gives in the dark knight of like well how did you beat the bandit we burned the forest down <laughs> like i also it made me realize something because again i only watched these movies as a kid i've never really thought about them critically but I, I came to really appreciate something about that scene, too, that and having just watched Raiders. So you watch Raiders and there's this scene where they have Karen Allen and they have the arc and he has him from an elevated position with the rocket launcher. And he's like, I'm going to blow up the arc. Let her go. And the guy, because he knows him, goes, yeah, go ahead. Blow it up. Zuruk, Zuruk. And he yeah. like Yeah, he literally is holding off the other soldiers because he knows Indiana Jones so well, and the last thing Indiana Jones can do is destroy one of the greatest archaeological finds in the history of mankind. And he's right, he calls his bluff and he gets captured. And then in this movie, when he's on the bridge, he's holding the stones over the edge and he says, you know, let Willie go. I'm gonna drop these stones into the river. And the guy's like, drop them, you know, you'll die, but we'll find the stones. They'll come out of the river. And then, like, literally, he they fight over the two of them because he still can't let them go. And two of them catch on fire. The guy burns his hand, and that's how he falls. And Andy does save the one for the people and gives it back. So now you've set up in two movies. Indiana Jones' fatal flaw is he can't give up the thing that he's there for. It's too important to him to save the archaeological finds. So to have Last that Crusade... That belongs in a museum! <laughs> But yeah, to have Last Crusade end with him literally having to let the the cup thing go, go in order to live is a beautiful ending. And I'm glad they stopped making the movies there. Because yeah, I'm glad that was the last one. It was so a perfect poetic. way to, to wrap up Indy's character arc. Um, But no, I, I really appreciate that. That's good storytelling. Those guys. They have some good storytelling. <laughs> the George Lucas and Steven Spielberg know a thing or two about storytelling. Yeah. Couple, two, three things. Um, yeah. It. I love this movie. You know just what start to finish. You know what's funny, too? When I was reading stuff about it, because a lot of the people involved in this movie do not like this movie. Uh, Kate Capshaw has very much spoken out about how underwritten her character is. She's completely right, obviously. But like. She's not a big fan of Willy. Um, uh, Spielberg has come out and said that he doesn't think this movie is great, that he has problems with it. And one of the things I was reading that maybe you saw this, too, was that apparently him and George Lucas were both going through divorces at the time that they were making mm. it, which is funny because I never knew that. But then I read that and I'm watching it this time and I'm like, it kind of made me go like, oh, so you boys were going through your divorces and you wrote a story where the main character's heart was ripped out. That's adorable. Uh, so let's talk about the heart ripping out scene. Yeah. Um, so 
this movie, uh, my brothers who are a decent amount older than me, uh, they used to torment me as a child. Kalima. By going, Kalima. Like, if you Kalima. Didn't, yeah, like, I, I didn't have, my brother didn't do it to me, but we definitely did that to each other on the playground. Like, you'd go out to people. Yeah. And, like, so I'd have to go, Nanam Shiva, Nanam Shiva, Nanam Shiva. <laughs> um, and so, like, one of the sweeter uh, Christmas presents my brother Mark got me uh, he actually got me like a, a Temple of Doom shirt that's like Mola Ram's Tiki Bar. That's awesome. <laughs> um, and it, it is definitely it's one of my it's one of my favorites. So it is, and I'm going to call this a silver lining. But it's funny because this movie was actually one of the films that was instrumental in getting the PG-13 rating created because they're like, this is not a PG movie. But Spielberg having the clout he did did not want to get it rated R. But it is so funny to because I saw this movie when I was you're holding up the shirt. Andy is holding up the shirt right now, and it is fantastic. Uh no, that is a great shirt. But uh but yeah, it it's so funny that like I should not have seen this movie at the age that I oh, saw. Oh god it. no. <laughs> but like that scene, everything like when they go to where the sacrifice is happening and the heart gets ripped out, I mean it's hell. Like it. Oh, it's terrifying. No, but I'm like, literally, it looks like the mouth of hell that they are standing over and a guy's heart rips out it. I'm sure was. And then catches fire in the dude's hand. It's the most terrifying thing I ever saw as a kid. I loved it. I was so into it, but it was for sure the scariest thing that I had ever seen at that age. Um, yeah, no, it, it, it definitely, I, I had night. I for sure had nightmares about this movie. I had nightmares about that and the faces melting. The faces melting didn't. I I always had to look away when I was a kid. Yeah, but it like didn't get me as much. But no, the yeah, I definitely was afraid of. But it's so good too. Just that reveal, so good when they were just peeking through and watching the ceremony. Everything is staged really well, and it's. And obviously the John Williams music is really creepy. No, it's one of like, this movie is just iconic set piece after iconic set piece. Because then like the, uh, the minecart chase, which inspired the best Donkey Kong country levels. Oh yeah. If we're going to be fully honest here, um, like that scene is freaking amazing. Um, yeah, the bridge scene at the end is awesome. The Kalima scene, the, um, even the scene where uh, they're escaping, like the collapsing ceiling scene, is awesome. Yeah, really feels like like that was like an idea they had for the opening of Raiders, but then was like, no, we'll do the boulder instead. And then they was like, but let's use the the collapsing ceiling for this one. Which I did read uh, a fair amount of stuff that was in this movie were, were things there was stuff that like they were going to do in Raiders and they didn't that they put in this one and stuff they were going to put in this one that ended up in last crusade that they were always sort of coming up with ideas that made it in one and not the other. Well, and that's, I mean, Indiana Jones in the best way possible. And I mean, this fully complimentary is just a series of connected, awesome set pieces. Right. And I do think that's the, like this movie it only lets up for the shortest amount of time because you have the opening, which is great, which is just which a, is nonstop, which is a big and we we didn't really talk about that when we talk about the action. But I love with Willie trying to get the diamond and then all the ice on the floor. And I mean, Indiana Jones takes a 
a meat skewer that's on fire and throws it through a guy's chest at one point. <laughs> yeah, he does. And there's the the gong that he uses as a shield. As he runs behind. Oh, so good. No, there's so many pieces in that. But like, so that's nonstop action into the car where Short Round drives him to the airport. With they, the blocks on his feet. With the blocks on his feet. They, they get to the plane. The plane takes off. We already talked about that. But then it's like he falls asleep. But that's for half a second. There's like it slows down and then the pilots are sneaking off the plane and they have to jump out of the plane on the raft to save themselves. And then that's we're not flying. (laughs) We're crashing. She really is the worst. The worst. But uh, but then you get the most prolonged amount of time where the movie does slow down a little bit. They go to the village. They they spend some time there, then they go to the palace, they spend some time there, they have the monkey brain scene, and then you get the the brief will they or won't they moment with him and Willie, but then he goes... He, so then it's just pedal to the floor for the last hour. Yeah, it's like once that hits the... the uh, I'll, you'll be back in five minutes, and then, you know, he storms off to his room, a guy tries to kill him, he goes into her room, finds the door, and then we're at... Kalima. And from Kalima to the bridge is it never stops. No, it's all action and it's all good and it never feels repetitive or boring because it's constantly new and upping and it's great. Yeah. Um Let's talk about short round. Let's talk about short round. I love me some short round. Yeah. So I mean I think this is how we ended up here anyway, is because we did the failed Oscar month last month. And I don't know, we kind of threw it out or we mentioned it. And obviously, you know, this is the year where Kihoi Kwan uh, won Best Actor, which is amazing. And yeah, well, I think it's even I think it was from the episode of um, Stephanie Knows Some Shit, which you can hear on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network. Right. Uh, new episodes every Wednesday. You can um, where we did the sort of Oscar food combo thing where we started talking about Kihoi Kwan and um, said, let's just let's just do Temple of Doom. Yeah, because it is an interesting thing that like, you know, that this movie yeah, doesn't necessarily have the best, you know, it's not remember. But like, yeah, the Kihoi Kwan of it all. I mean, first of all, I think it's worth maybe people know this, but if people don't know his getting discovered story, I do love it so much that. They had an, a big open casting call for this part, and his brother was actually going in to to audition, and he was kind of over on the side coaching him and like talking to his brother, and he wasn't like he was just there as moral support, and they saw him talking to his brother, and then had him improvise the scene with Indiana, you know, with Harrison Ford, and he got cast from that. Of and I think yeah. they saw something like six thousand kids or something. Yeah, it's it's such a great story, and part of me thinks that inspired the joke in the Radioactive Man episode when they saw Martin. It's like, he's perfect. Well, oh, he didn't fill out the paperwork? I guess never mind. Then. It wouldn't be fair to the other children. <laughs> um, But yeah, so it's that same idea. No. Uh, and like, just all of the heartwarming stories that when um, Kihoi Kwan's been going on uh, like the talk show circuit. And how he like ran into Indiana Jones many years later and like short round (laughs) and just like, it's just a lovely thing. And like, and, and like when Harrison Ford gave the best 
picture Oscar to everything everywhere all at once. And him and uh, them sharing a hug on stage was like the best moment of the Oscars. Well, yeah. And how quick everyone was to do this side by side of their Oscar hug with the hug from this movie. (laughs) Me very little. You cheap. Very big. (laughs) But I will I will say too, like being a kid, you know, that. To me, it was like I wanted to be short round, like the idea oh, yeah. that there was a kid that uh, could hang out with Indiana Jones and that Indiana Jones very much it, like it's funny because he treats Willie terribly in this movie, but he cares about short round. And oh, yeah. Even at that part where he's possessed and he's about to kill them both. It's like with her, it's like whatever. And then it's like, no, I got to reassure this kid. I got to give him a hug. It's like, no, know. Indy, I love you. <laughs> but like all of that, it, it's like. He is the heart of this movie. It's genuinely upsetting when it seems like, you know, India is possessed and might actually harm him. Again, I think we all maybe aren't as concerned about Willie. Like, just. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just it's unfortunate, but no, it really is. Um, But yeah, like, God, this. I was so excited because. I'll just periodically throw throw on an Indiana Jones movie because they're streaming on like four different services right now. Yeah. Uh, and. But yeah, like it was nice. To, it was nice to watch it critically because I don't think I don't know if I've ever done that before. Yeah, I definitely never had. Um, I mean, I've watched these movies more times than I can count. Uh, I mean, like I said, you know, Raiders is my all time top five. Uh, I I adore this movie, too. And it's it's just it's so much fun. And Indiana Jones is my favorite movie theme. I'm just gonna say it. It's really good. I mean, John Williams. I think you can make cases for a lot of other ones, like and a lot of if you just took John Williams themes, I could see many things showing up above or with. But I think I think it. This is my favorite. I still think I have to go Elfman Batman for me and not but, a bad choice but yeah i don't think i yeah i mean it, it's amazing how much john williams has done and it's really funny that like he did jaws which is just plunking two keys for spielberg and then it's like you know i could write stuff right like do you actually need me to like write a big so you did hear star wars right <laughs> yeah like i can and write. superman <laughs> yeah but the indiana jones theme does have that thing where i think this is so crucial to where every time you hear it you're excited to hear it, that it's super recognizable and they, they always use it well, that it's the big hero moment. Well, cause it's such a theme. Yeah. Like it, it has, it's a theme in every sense of the word. Uh, yeah, it's, and, and just, it's so good. And it's, and I mean, the rest of the music is awesome for the movie. Like it's just, it's John Williams, John Williams saying as only John Williams can John Williams. Well, and yeah, and this movie gives him a lot to play with. Again, all of the Kalima kind of like that stuff. Which you heard a like I heard a lot of uh, Duel of the Fates in that Kalima scene. There's like some like a lot of similar chord progression and uh, which is another all time great piece of movie music. Yeah, which didn't come along until the prequels. So, yeah, I think wasn't that one of our silver linings? I think it had to be. Oh, it had to be. Yeah. If it wasn't, we maybe need to go back and redo that episode, but I'm sure it was. Look, we've talked about a lot, and I I feel like I need to say it because there's a big 
section of our audience that this is their silver lining. And I want to make sure that we're here for them too. Harrison Ford could not be more shirtless or more sweaty in this movie. He's at his shirtlessest and sweatiest. And for the whole time. Yeah, he is. He's he's here for the he gives the gives the people what they want. And so, yeah, like if you're looking to thirst after Harrison Ford, I think this is the movie. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah, because like he half the time people are pouring water on him or, you know, even when he's, you know, maybe about to kill the other two protagonists, like he's still he looks good. I mean, he's looking absolutely dapper in the white dinner jacket in the opening scene. I do love that look. That look does not get brought up enough. The the James Bond white tux that he's wearing. Uh, you know, he looks great in that. And then he goes he goes classic indie for the remainder of the movie in various various stages of, you know, tatteredness. And it's, yeah, I mean, Harrison Ford's a good-looking dude. Like, let's just put it out there. If no one else will say it, we finally will. You know, like, people have been thinking it for a long time, but we here at Silver Linings Playback, we have the gumption to say it. He's a good-looking guy. He is a good-looking guy. Um, Do you think he was a good professor? No. Right? He couldn't have cared. hmm. I think he had good lectures. Yeah, we see in Raiders that, like, he... And the the girls loved him. Yeah, the girls did love him, but... And the one guy. But I can't imagine that he was very interested in grading papers. I don't think people learned a lot in his classes. Or I don't think people grew as students in his classes. They may have learned and heard a bunch of great stories. Well, also, how, like... How much is he teaching? How much is he in the classroom versus how much is he out? You Just know? gallivanting. Gallivanting. It seems like he'd be consistent for like a few weeks and then he's canceling class. Oh, you're you're getting a sub for a good third of the year. Yeah, I hope you enjoy Indiana Jones's TA, which holy oh shit, Andy. Andy, is this our pitch? This is our pitch. <laughs> it is. Indiana Jones's teacher's assistant. Oh my god. It's Oh, it's just that it you find like someone that can play De- a young Denim Elliot as the dean of students. <laughs> and he's just like, "Well, and yeah, I'm, uh, so Dr. Jones isn't here, so it's going to have to be you, Charles." <laughs> and it's just it's almost like the king speech kind of thing where it's just a guy that's very knowledgeable but he's very nervous and sweaty. And he's just fumbling all his papers and all of the students are super disappointed because they're, they just want to be thirsting over Dr. Jones. Right. Like all these girls show up and it's just this like just really just ill-equipped young grad student. Who immediately spills all of his papers the second. He oh, walks yeah. That's just as soon as he walks in the room and he's just like, well, uh, we should say we're supposed to lecture about the. uh ancient Sumerians and uh well um from this excavation well as Dr. Jones would have described it um it's just but uh oh oh and it's like set simultaneously while Raiders is happening and then the end is that you know he runs into Dr. Jones and it's like you know 
man, it, it was terrible. Like it was heroin. <laughs> like I would have traded places. I don't know where you were at Dr. Jones, but I would have, but I would have given anything. <laughs> and he just gives him that like little eyebrow raise and yeah, sure kid. <laughs> but I would, love, I would love to see his rate. My professor scores for Dr. Jones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It'd be something interesting. Um, he belongs in a museum. That would be one. I, I could stare at that exhibit all day. <laughs> I've got time for love, Dr. Jones. <laughs> how do you even know that line? Yeah. Well, how do you know any of this? <laughs> These are callbacks to things you shouldn't know. By the way, you know what? I will give this movie credit for too. I, I think it's actually a good, because I feel like a lot of times now you watch movies and they do winks to the audience that I'm surprised they don't crack the lens of the camera. They're winking so hard that that wink doesn't send off a little sonic boom at the camera. But I actually do think it's nice. And I think it makes sense in the story. And it's fascinating because this is technically a prequel. So this happens before it does in that movie. But you get this scene in Raiders where the guy has the sword. He does a big thing. He twirls it around and he pulls out his gun and shoots the guy. Then you have this scene. There's two guys with swords. He goes to reach for his gun, but we had already established earlier that he lost his gun. And so it's not on the holster. So it's not there. I think that's a good sort of wink, you know, that we're yeah. because it made sense in the story. We again, it had been well established that he had lost that gun. We saw him lose it. And then it's just both things make sense in context in that like this is his move if a guy has a sword he's gonna shoot him that's his move. right so that's he's indy's indy's all about working smarter not harder so like contextually it doesn't feel forced this is just what indiana jones does in this situation but you've now you know kind of played with our expectations and you took the gun away i think it's really smart like i think it's a good nod well yeah it's the same thing like in um uh, Last Crusade, when they're under this, uh, the sewers of Venice, and he's like, oh, it's the Ark of the Covenant. Are you sure? Pretty sure. And that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they sing the theme, too, but, like, that's, like, they don't, like, dwell on it. Yeah. And that's, I, I, I love that callback in that movie, because, like, <laughs> the more I watch the opening sequence of Ra of uh, Last Crusade, like, I just start hating it. <laughs> I have mixed feelings about it. Like, like I, 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 I love it, but, like, it just... I think every time I watch it, it bothers me more and more that Indy got all of his archetypal traits on the same day. <laughs> it's a little lazy, yeah. Um, and, like, it also, is great. Also, where's that guy's movie? Yeah. Um... Like, it is great, and the action is cool, and the train stuff is fun, and, like, there's a ton of cool stuff that happens, and it's awesome. But then you take a step back, and you widen the lens a little bit, and you're like, wait, so he got the hat, the whip, the scar, all th that that one day? Yeah. Um. Yeah, but we're talking, uh, I don't know, I... I, I think, I mean, I think Belloc is the best indie villain... But yes. Molaram is solid. No, he is good. He's good. Um, he's like I think he's scarier. He's scarier. I I think Belloc works better because it's it is like the negative reflection, and yeah. like that's why it's it's a great um, you know, it's that 
the dark version of indie, you know, and they they call attention to it because you can't not call attention to it. But that's really well done. Um, but just Mola Ram is just he's scary. He feels like a threat. Uh, he doesn't know anything about Indy, but just the fact that Indy's trying to stop him is like, all right, well, then it's now my mission to destroy you. Well, that's what's great. He doesn't know anything about him, but he immediately is like, I don't know. This guy's here. Let's let's throw this woman in the lava and let's rip his heart out. Yeah, as you do. Yeah. Ask questions later. <laughs> right. Um. Yeah. And so. This like. Also, by the way, you know what? We didn't say like we we talked a bit about short round, but I, the one thing that I feel like I forgot to say when we were talking about him, what what a just true sidekick, like what a true like he has your back always, always. And like just he's the guy you want in your corner is short round, like just he <laughs> He knows something's up. He knows this isn't Dr. Jones. He's got to break him out of it. He's going to burn him with the torch a little bit to get him back. Like, but now he's got you. He's don't drink the blood, Dr. Jones. Like, come on. Like, he's he's there. Yeah, he's, no time for love. You need to focus on getting away. And he's right. He's right. He is and, right. Yeah, he's great. And I, I would say, you know, obviously we did it perfect with uh, Last Crusade. No need to make any more. But if for some reason you ever made more of these, I think that I would want to know. What happened with Short Round and Dr. Jones? Did they ever see each other when, I don't know, Short Round was an adult? Yeah, maybe as like a middle-aged man. I don't know. Yeah, just a pitch. Maybe maybe he takes over the mantle. Yeah, maybe he just punches Mutt in the face and... Who? No, I don't know. I just made up a name. Oh, because a dog. Because Indiana Jones is named after the dog. Right. Yes. Yeah, because that would be a silly name for a person. Yeah, it'd be be stupid god did they call him mutt because indy was named after the dog i hate that even more now silver linings playback is a production of hobotrashcan.com if you enjoyed the show please rate or review it on apple podcasts hear more great shows on the peak sloth podcast network like this one Hi, everyone. I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Stephanie Smar. And this is Stephanie Knows Some Shit, where every week we are going to tap into Stephanie's brain and share with you some of the insight that she has about cooking, shopping, Top Chef, all of the things that you want to know. Yeah, we're going to tell some stories, enjoy some time together, and really dive into the things that you might be afraid to Google. We might have the answer. I actually, I'm pretty confident we do. 